All right. Now, we've been talking about in this series about how God wants to bring you home. He wants to bring you home to the place where he is, and he wants to put you in a family. He wants to give back to you everything that the enemy has stolen from your life. And today we have opportunities, I believe, to talk about a really big chain that's around a lot of our necks, I believe, in the lives of probably everybody watching today. At one point or another, Jesus wants to break the chain of debt. Now, for some of us watching, maybe we feel like we're a step ahead of addiction or, you know, debauchery, drunkenness, adultery. Those, those are some of the things that we consider chains on people's lives. But this chain of debt is a sneaky one because it just kind of works its way into our lifestyle. And all of a sudden we find that we are not free to follow Holy Spirit's guidance in our lives. And we're not leaving a wake of generosity in our lives because of the chain of debt that has us bound up. And I pray that God will start a work in every life representative of this house today, and that with the fresh wind of the Pentecost, we will break any remaining chains, any of them, that the enemy is hanging around our lives this morning. Amen? Amen. Well, let's honor the word of God as we open today. Um, this is where we would stand if we're in the house. If you want to stand, you can definitely do that. I'm going to read from verse 13, um, Deuteronomy chapter 28. Uh, the Lord... Yeah, verse 13, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall only go up and not down. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them, and if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right or to the left, to go after the gods to serve them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We just declare your goodness this morning. And uh, Lord, we just, one more time, rally around uh, your name, the chain breaker. God, we thank you that you've broken off so many chains already. Lord, and you will continue, continue to do that because that's who you are. You are faithful. You are um, true. You are a sure foundation. So God, open our ears, open our spiritual eyes that we may see you this morning. We want to be different as a result of spending time with you this morning and, and being in your word and dedicating this time. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. So... When we say debt, a lot of things go off in our mind. I, I immediately go to the national debt because that's part of the, the fabric of the conversation in our, in our country, especially now when our country is dealing with you know, economic loss from this global pandemic that we're in. I, I, I looked up the national debt clock, which you might want to not do late at night. Um, it's a fast moving counter. And the last time I looked earlier in the week when I was uh, preparing the message, we were, we're, we're at $25 trillion. Nobody here probably lost any sleep over that last night, probably. But the thing, that thing is ticking along at a really, really, really fast clip. Um, for every citizen in America, if you break it down, that's 77 grand or 205 grand that you're on the hook for as a taxpayer. $205,000 as a taxpayer um, to, to clip away at for a national debt, which honestly no one really seems to care too much about. And the reason we don't is A, it's not my problem. 
B, um, I didn't make those decisions that got us in this place. C, I can't do anything about it. And D, by the time all that blows up, I probably won't be here anyway. <laughs> and so don't we have that mentality, right? And, and, you know, somebody else will figure that out. We'll pass that along to our kids and our grandkids, and they'll, you know, solve the problems later in a lifetime. But, but I won't have to worry about that. But when we say 25 trillion, 500 billion, 680 million, whatever thousand, the thousands change by the millisecond, basically there's a normal reaction, which is an underreaction because we kind of just shrug our shoulders and go, yeah, that's kind of the way it is. (laughs) But if we broke that down from the national debt to our personal debt today, it gets a little more specific and a little bit more personal. I grabbed these numbers from Dave Ramsey in case anybody is wondering. For the younger people watching today, that would probably look like something around twenty dollars to $70,000 worth of student loans that you're chipping away at slowly but surely, mostly slowly but sometimes surely. If we look at our mortgage that we have with XYZ Bank, which is a normal part of the fabric of life for most people, it would look like the, oh, yeah, I, I don't know what, what, what kind of family you are, the, the one Visa card or the seven Visa cards that you have, or, you know, that one didn't work, okay, let me get this one, uh, okay, no, that's not a good one this month, so let me try this one. Maybe you put a second mortgage on the home or refinanced to take a little money out to pay for a wedding or some emergency that happened, and we've got these buckets of debt. But somehow the way we look at that is I'm doing what I'm doing because of these things. If I didn't get an education, I wouldn't get the job that I want. And I didn't, if, I didn't have this, if I didn't have this job, I couldn't pay for the mortgage that I have. And therefore, this debt sort of is a part of how I'm actually doing what I'm doing in life. <laughs> but there's a principle in Scripture that none of us can get around. And it's this idea that the wisdom writer gives us in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7 says, The borrower is the servant to the lender. The borrower is the servant to the lender. And this is an axiom in the kingdom of God that none of us can solve. We all have to wake up to the reality and the power that it has in our lives. The borrower is the servant to the lender. And so if that's true, then it's also true that we're going to be on one of two paths in our lifetime. We're either going to be on a path to slavery or on a path to freedom. Our financial decisions are going to put us on a slavery path. The borrower is the servant of the lender, or our decisions financially are going to put us on a path towards freedom. And obviously Christ has come to set us free. And so the big idea of the gospel, think about this with me for just a second. The big idea of the gospel in its entirety is that our debt eternally is paid for by the perfect life and death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So our whole Christian story, everything about it is predicated on a debt being canceled. And therefore, everything that comes up out of our story is predicated on debts being canceled. And so... That in the Lord's Prayer, even one of the things he prays in the Lord's Prayer, how he taught us to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive those that have debts toward us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that have trespassed against us. Now, we understand that that's in context of attitudes and thoughts and actions, simple behavior one towards another. But the way that God talks about this, this whole picture, this grand scheme of things is our debt, a canceled debt on the cross is what gives me a ledger of freedom and the ability to be called a child of God. And so free children of God need to live fearless and free, right? And so the enemy 
He's got a lot of different plans for all of us, but he'd say, look, I really didn't want you to get saved, but you got saved. I really didn't want you to see the light, but God has grace on you and and you saw the light. I really didn't want you to, to come from death to life, but hello, the spirit, you are now fully alive and the spirit of God, you were empowered by Holy Spirit and I can't change that. But what I can do is I can make your life miserable on earth. (laughs) Maybe you got out of hell and into heaven because your debt was canceled in that way, but I'm going to make your life on earth hell as much as I can. And one of the ways I'm going to do that for you is called the chain of debt. (laughs) So Jesus is in the house today, and he's like, hey, let's talk about debt for a minute. Let's talk about finances for a minute. It's actually a topic that's all over our scriptures. Fortunately... It's past the tithes and offering time. Derek already did that awkward part for us. And so we're not, we're not taking a special offering today. There's not a big campaign that we're leaning towards right now. So everybody can take a deep breath. I'm not going to ask for another offering after this is all over. Um, you know, I, just so everybody knows, you can, you can get that out of your mind. This is for your life of freedom. This is for you, not so that you can put something in a, you know, a virtual giving bucket this morning. This is God wanting to set you free because we can, can't be servants of the most high God if we're already servant of the Fidelity Savings Bank. <laughs> and so God wants to set you and me on a path called freedom today, and it has two parts. And the two parts are this. Number one, attacking debt. You got to get a, a little bit militant about it. You, you say, you know, why do we need to talk about attacking debt? Because debt is attacking you and me. And debt is not passive. It's not kind. It's very intentional. And it's attacking our lives and our ability to be free. And so we want to attack debt. But the second thing that we want to talk about is creating margin. And this is because there is a promise today. There's a problem that's called debt. But there's a promise that, man, if God will give us the grace today, and I pray that he will, and I believe that he will, to believe in this promise, oh my goodness, how our mindset is going to change. And I believe ultimately for our lives to change, we must move on from a finance lifestyle to a pay-as-you-go lifestyle. It takes a little bit of adjustment, but man, there's so much freedom in it. And listen, some of you are listening already and are like, oh, this sounds really uh, just kind of uh, financy. <laughs> and let me just say that this is a very spiritual thing that we're going to be talking about. And this is a chain that we need to break off of our lives, a spiritual chain as well. So today... We're going to talk about the second of those things, creating margin, with this big idea that God wants to bless you. We sang about it this morning. His blessings are real. Now, we're not talking about, let me say this before we go too far. We're not talking about a wealth and prosperity gospel today. Somebody is going to always throw that in the mix. Um, We're not saying if you just pray hard enough with us this morning, you can walk out to your garage where you're left the 2008 Honda Accord and there's going to be a brand new Mercedes-Benz when you come out after the service. But, you know, come on. Let's not, let's not let anybody chip away at the idea that God wants to bless your life. God does not want you to live as a servant and a slave of the lender. God actually wants you to live free, to follow the Spirit, and to leave a wake of generosity in your life. Your Father, listen, your Father is the King of the universe. 
Your father has, owns the cattle on a thousand hills, right? Your father is the one that created everything out of nothing and has already given you an inheritance in heaven with him. So most of our blessings, the best of our blessings are not silver and gold, land and properties, you know, cash and dollars and cents. The best of our blessings are the spiritual blessings that we have in him. Your father wants to bless you and not to curse you. He wants you to live free from the chain of debt. So it's my prayer that this idea would take root in our hearts today. That, you know, I can get out of this mess called debt and there is a day coming down the road that I can live debt free. So, and this starts with a big change of attitude. It starts with flipping the script. So we're going to talk about finances a bit, and I'm going to pull up a few diagrams this morning. This is why we're trying to remind you and uh, get you to download the notes. If you haven't done that yet, there's some really good diagrams in here uh, this morning that, that I think will be helpful for us. Um, you can scratch, write them out on a notebook if you, if you didn't get a copy of those and, and just draw them out as well. But you'll see those diagrams on the downloadable notes if you grab those. And so here's the normal way that I think a lot of people on planet Earth, especially in America, think about finances. Now, um, again, you might want to draw these uh, diagrams out, think about them, chew on them a little bit. I think it's a helpful picture. So we normally start with this. We start most equations with me. <laughs> so whatever else is going to happen in life, that's all going to happen to advance me, to advance my ideas, what I want to do, what I want to accomplish, what I want to achieve, and what I want to own, and what I want to accumulate, and what I want to experience. So everything leads up ultimately to me. And when this works out in finances, it looks something like this triangle that we see on the screen. And the number one priority for my life is this, it's to live. So in that first section there, I want you to write to live. I want to live. Where I want to live, how I want to live, with what I want to live, that's the number one goal for me. So I'm working towards this as the number one goal. Now secondly in my life, you know, I, I do believe in savings. Most people would say that they do. And so when I can and if I can, I definitely want to save. And so that's the second part of the triangle. I want to save. Now, for, for many people, that's not the first priority. The first priority is I want to live. And if after living well, there's a little bit that I can save, of course, I'm going to do that. And then the third thing, the third part down on the triangle, down in the equation is, of course, I want to be a generous person. Who wouldn't want to be a generous person? So after I live and if there's anything left, after I save, if there's any residual after that, then certainly I'm going to consider giving some of that because I want to be a generous person. And it looks like it makes sense, right? And I think a lot of people would adopt an idea like that. And maybe you were even thinking this morning, you know, wow, I, 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 didn't, I really don't know if I would have said it that way. But if I broke down my paycheck every month, this is kind of the way that it works. I, I pay the mortgage first. I pay rent. If you're a renter, I pay the car payment. I pay off my student loan. I pay the credit bills down. I eat. I, I you know, fix the, the water heater and on and on. Uh, we went to Cancun. Well, you know, who needs a water heater, right? Uh, we've gotten we got used to the cold showers. Cancun was amazing, but we upgraded on that cruise and it was worth it. <laughs> so if you keep going down, something's going into that savings. You know, I've sort of offloaded that maybe to the guys in, in the HR department at work and they're taking something out of my check before I even see it because if it was left up to me, nothing would be going out of the check at all. But so I'm going to upgrade again on that cruise, <laughs> right? Right. 
And then let's go all the way down to the bottom of the triangle. Occasionally I'll go, you know, wow, I've got an extra hundred dollars at the end. And so that I didn't even know that I had. And so I'm going to give 10 bucks at church on Sunday. God wants to flip this. And he wants to flip it like this. Let's walk through this. He wants to, number one, be the top value in our lives. God, he wants to be at the top. So that everything in our life ultimately is about God and not about us. So that ultimately there's a new perspective in life that flips everything around, heads to tails, that leads us to invert this kind of normalized equation that we have so that the first priority of our lives is we want to give. That's the first thing that comes. When God gives to us, the very first thing that we would think is, I want to give back to you, God. When God blesses us, the very first thought that we would have is, I want to bless God, and I want to bless someone else. Now, the second thing we think about when God blesses us is, I want to save, because life is long, you know, and hopefully these things coming around the corner, I don't know. And, and so if I'm not saving, I'm not going to be in a position to do anything that is of my own free will. I don't want to end up being a servant to the lender all of my life and just doing whatever the bills tell me that I need to do. And so then the third thing in this inverted way of thinking about debt is I'm going to live. I've got to live. I've got to eat, I've got to wear something, I've, I've, I've got to you know, have a house over my head, I need to get around town. Living is important, but I want to live on what's left after I prioritize giving and saving, and then I'm going to adjust my lifestyle to fit in what I can afford after I give and after I save, instead of adjusting my savings and my giving based on my lifestyle and whatever's left after my lifestyle um, gets met. And the difference between these two models is the difference in our lives between whether you're going to be the tail in life or whether you're going to be the head in life. And we'll get to that scripture in just a second. God is asking you to consider his blessing to make you the head and not the tail. That's where we're going. So this text in Deuteronomy is so beautiful. We're actually singing um, a lot of this text and some of the songs we were singing this morning is so beautiful because of what it offers to us is a promise. And what I want you to see with me today is that God wants to bless you. He doesn't want to curse you, but he wants to bless you. And with a me lifestyle, with a me-focused lifestyle, there is no blessing. But with the flipped lifestyle, with that... Um, turned around, there is a promise. And we're going to see what this promise is in this text. Deuteronomy 28, a lot of blessing coming our way this morning. So read it with me. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now, as I said earlier, if, you're, if you were here for the early part of the service, this was national blessing. And it actually works out in the context of national finance. So America could lean in and learn something from this. And that's why we declared it. We sang it through one time with that focus. But you and I personally also can come into this promise. Now look at what the promise is beginning with, with verse 3. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of the ground of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket 
and your kneading bowl, blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you, and they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Don't you just love that promise? The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. He will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself. And he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, and all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity in the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock and in the fruit of your ground within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give to you. And then this is a key paragraph, verse 12. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the works of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Can you see that happen? Meaning in your life that you will become a lender in life and not a borrower. (laughs) That people will come to you through your life and say, could you help me out? And you'll say, yes, I'd be glad to help you out. Versus all through your life, you're you're going through the door in the other way. Can you help me out? (laughs) You'll be the one having people come through the door and you will be able to be a blessing. Verse 13 says, and the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall only go up and not down if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I commanded you today to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods and serve them. Now, we know in scripture that two big gods in our story are God Jehovah, right? And the God, the little g, called money. (laughs) So much so that the New Testament says you cannot serve both God and money, right? You'll be servant to one, but but you can't be to both. That's in Matthew chapter 6. The love of money, the New Testament says, is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money. That's in 1 Timothy 6. So we already know at the end of this promise when it says serving other gods, that most likely the other God that we're going to believe in is called money, a God called money. And, and the most likely other God that we're going to serve is a God called money. And God is saying, I want to flip the script for you. And I, wanna, I want you to change from a lifestyle that's going to lead you to be the tail. And you're going to be, you know, if, here's the thing. If, if, if you're the tail, what's, what happens with the tail? Your, your tail, you're going to be wagged by the economy when the economy goes down, right? Or you're going to be wagged and controlled by the interest rate. You're going to be controlled by the circumstances, whatever circumstances you're in. You're going to be controlled by the accumulation of bills that come in, and that's going to shake that foundation. And that's going to dictate how you spend that decision-making. I want you to be the head. I want to make you a child of promise, he says, and I want to bless you in everything that you do in your life. But it's an equation that begins with us saying to God, God, I want to follow your ways, and I want to follow what you say is the right way for how I live my life. And so what I love about this, if you think about these two diagrams, um, the first one, if you think about it like a funnel, is simply this. Your catch point if it's the me diagram, if we've got that uh, triangle in this, this way, if, if it's all about me, 
then, then the savings uh, you know, and, the, and the giving, your catch point for the blessings of God is very small. You see that? It's very small. And your back door, where everything comes out <laughs> here, all the wealth that you have is very big. And all of a sudden, you know, you look around and after four years of having maybe even a really good job, you go, I don't have any savings. It's all coming out somewhere. I, I, you know, I have this really good job and I, I really haven't knocked down any of my debt. I really haven't put myself in any other, any better position to follow the spirit of God. I really am not leaving a, a wake of generosity yet, but man, I had a lot come in. So where, you know, what's that, what's happening there? But man, when, when, when we invert this principle, and we change the triangle this way, and we see it as a funnel, we begin to think like God thinks, our catch point for the blessings of God gets really big. You see that? It gets really big. And the end result of the blessing, what happens down here, the end result is a very focused life. God gives us direction, right? He gives us a purpose. He gives us a, a way to go. It's a focused life. So things aren't just blowing out the back and we don't have any idea what's happened, but things are very directed in life. He gives us purpose. He gives us direction. We're able to catch more of the blessing of God, if you will, that he wants to bring into our lives. So let's talk about this God way of thinking for just a moment. Let's talk about giving and saving and talk about living uh, because we, we just have to get practical here for just a moment, okay? So giving, really, if you, if you take it down in its simplest form, giving is simply a recognition of who God is. That's, that's why we begin with the gift. We start with, with giving. If, if you're in a church context, and if you're thinking about this in a church context, we start with a tithe. It's a 10%. It's a biblical principle from beginning to the end in Scripture. It's, it's us recognizing that everything that we have comes from God and then returning to God the first fruit of everything that he gave us, right? It's the first decision and it's the first fruit. It's the first decision I make and it's the first fruit. <laughs> and our response can sometimes be, well, I know, I know, but, but, but you know, I've got... $40,000 in student loans. That's on my table right now. Okay, but what if we respond, I know, but the first thing that I'm going to do is give God 10% of what he's given me. First decision, first fruit, that's where I'm going. First 10%, I'm going to give first. In Malachi, let's look at this. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. That's the whole first fruit. The whole, that's the 10%, that there may be food in my house. He's talking about God's house, so that there may be food there. So the number one reason that we're doing this is so that God's house will have enough to continue to meet the needs of the community and the city and, and the world. Derek was talking about it earlier. But then God says, put me to the test. In other words, if you don't know if this works or not, if you're not sure if this is the way, then do a test. Test me, God says. Test me, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. In other words, if you do this, I'm going to provide. I am God, your provider. I am Jehovah Jireh, right? Try it, he said. <laughs> and some of us go, well, I did. I gave 20 bucks in the offering you know, three weeks ago, and I didn't see any return. <laughs> I didn't see God do anything. I, nothing happened. Let's just give God a little bit bigger than test about uh, the bigger test than that. We've maybe been in debt for 19 years, so let's maybe give him more than 19 minutes to turn it around, right? And so let's do a test. And let's decide right now, 
on a percentage scale, not guessing, but absolutely down to the dollar, every single thing that God gives to you, whether it's a gift that came from your aunt, you know, or, or whether it's your paycheck that came in, or whether it's that tax refund or the stimulus, whatever it is, everything that comes back from God, we're going to take 10% immediately off the top and invest it into the eternal things of God. So we're going to do that, let's say, for a year, Okay. And at the end of that year, we're going to see where we are based on what's happened the last 10 years in our lives. And if it doesn't work, then you can stand up and you can, you know, comment in the comment section. You can say that we're committed to God first and and we gave the first fruits into the kingdom of God. And then you can say it did not work for us. But at least you'll have done the test. You've tested it out, right? At least you know for yourself whether this idea works or not. Not because a speaker told you that it was a good idea, but because you read it in the word of God. Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22, is talking about the crops and how the crops are reaped and what the principle is. And we see it many times in scripture. Ruth and Boaz is a beautiful picture of it. Here's what it says in Leviticus. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. See, this is God's mentality. God's mentality isn't for you and for me to get leveraged as much as we can and save up everything for us. He wants us to be the lender so that we don't have to use up every resource that we have. But we can leave the margin in our field for other people to come and eat and and take from those crops. And our mindset is like, man, I had to cut all the way up to the very edge of the last stock, to the very last plant, to the very last piece of fruit. You know, I needed that. And then I borrowed some money from the land across another field so I could get the plan on that also. And God's saying, I want to free you from that by creating margin in your life. And step number one towards creating margin is to give first to God. It seems like a simple idea, but most people, and I'm not talking about people in the world, most people in the church don't do this. We've heard it all of our lives, but most people who even love God and are part of the church family don't do this. And here is the reason I think why. The world has sold us on the me mentality. They sold us on on that, really it's an inverted triangle, the way that God would teach us as the way to get where we want to go. But God is trying to help us see that there's a promise waiting for you and waiting for me. And the second thing that we prioritize if we keep on going down is savings. And I, I believe that God wants us to save. Why? We just read it in scripture because God, God wants us to have the ability to lend to others. To help others, as it says in Ephesians, in their time of need. And so however you work it out, let's go back to the triangle. The first thing, if we go back to the top, off to the side, I want you to write the first thing is 10%. It's first fruits. Now, this number, I think you want to move that number along. As you grow in your maturity with Jesus, I don't think you want to be right there about to shake hands with Jesus and still be at 10% because the gospel is always retooling our thinking, right? He's always making us more generous and more like him. And somewhere along the way, the gospel is going to get in our heart and that 10% is going to go up. Maybe it's going to go up to 20%. Maybe it's going to go up to 30%. And then it's going to keep on going up because we're going to understand the principle that it is a blessing to be able to give. 
The principle of sowing and reaping is a kingdom principle. So we're going to have more resources to give as we walk out this principle in our life. More freedom, more decisions to make, and we're going to make more and more decisions to invest in the kingdom of God. So I've met some heroes in the faith um, that are giving 80% of their income away. And, and God is blessing that. I've, I've seen some business models. Maybe you've heard some stories about some businesses that are giving 80% of their profits away and still prospering. It's a God principle. Test me in this, he says. Saving is the second part. And I know if you're more towards the end of your life, this may not feel like it applies as much. But the message, this message is going to be heard for, uh, by, by people of all ages. And I want to encourage you, actually, no matter how old you are, if you're 16 years old, please take stock of this right here. Savings, but no matter how old you are, model this after God's promises of your life. Savings, Deuteronomy 28. Move towards a lifestyle of being the head and not the tail. And you can start doing that at 16, 11, 24, 33, whatever age you are. Many of us grow up, have grown up under a spend mentality. You spend what you make. And, and, and maybe no one ever taught you or taught us about how to save. And so the first thing that we learn about when you start going into classes and when you start um, you know, talking about saving is that you, if you don't have an emergency fund, what happens all of our, if you don't save all of our resources, being our, you know, they're not going to be being useful and effective. It can end up being more of a pipe dream if we don't have an emergency fund. So we start with a you know, practical idea. Three to six months, they say, of your income goes into an emergency fund. Now, I know that's hard to do when you're 28 years old and you're in debt. <laughs> but you have to start and plan and, and process. And so you work towards that. And then when the car brakes need repair, and, and when the washing machine stops working, um, or maybe it overflowed and ruined the whole floor and the insurance didn't cover it, or when a death happens in the family and you have to fly out of town and spend several days somewhere and you didn't have the money to do that in your normal budget, when all those things happen, we will be able to absorb that and then refill that and make this um, savings or this emergency fund the buffer that allows us to keep saving and not eat of it, not eat those savings. So an emergency fund, you're going to hear that idea from Dave's, Dave Ramsey. You'll hear that from anybody else that's out there. Everybody's going to talk about having an emergency fund. But there again, it's even talked about in scripture, the, the, the principle of, of storing. But there again, most people... If you think about it, number one, giving is not the first priority. And a lot of people don't have this as a priority either. So there's, first of all, there's not giving and then there's not an emergency fund. And therefore, they're not saving because their savings is a barometer based on the circumstances in their life. Except for maybe a little bit of money that's going into the 401k, but they're not going to see that for a long, long time. And that's not really helping us live free uh, right now or leave a wake of generosity, Right? Then the third thing is living. And you can, I would encourage you, we, we do, um, you can read Dave Ramsey or go to, go to one of our financial freedom classes. We try to keep them in a regular rotation around here and figure out, do the work of figuring how much you should be saving and how much you can put aside for different things, how much money you should put away for the future and how all that works for you. But 10% is a good starting point, again, for giving. 
That's, that's what God gives us. Give of the 10%, the first fruit. And then maybe start with 10% towards your emergency fund. And then we're going to live with what's left. And this is where somebody's going to say, Sean, I can't do that. I can't live on 80% of what I'm making right now. And that's the idea that has got to go away. I think a lot of us, we've got to rethink what our living and our expenses really look like because there's Instagram quality of life and then there's quality of life. Well, our neighbors, they just went to New York again and they, or they just went to Chicago last month. Babe, why haven't we gone anywhere recently? <laughs> I know, I'm booking it right now, honey. We're going to Hawaii because everybody went somewhere, right? Now, we didn't give, and we really haven't saved, so our emergency fund has dwindled down to nothing, but we've got this amazing Visa card that came in the mail as a gift of God to us. <laughs> and they said that we could open it right now and get a free round trip to anywhere we want to go, and we already know we're going to Hawaii, and Visa has a low percentage rate. Hallelujah. Amen, right? At least until next month when it goes up to like 5,000%. <laughs> So what we're going to do is we're going to go to Hawaii today and we are going to live it up and we're going to worry about how to pay for it tomorrow because I bet tomorrow we'll get another gift from heaven in the mail. And then when that Discover card comes, then we can roll it all up our visa debt into there. And that'll work until the next month when the percentage rate is like 75,000%. And you say, but I'm not worried about that because by the time they get ready to do that, Jack, I will have moved on to the Capital One campaign and I will be able to consolidate all of my debt as if that was a great thing for a lower interest rate and we'll get more bonus miles and we'll get a free extended stay at hotels anywhere in the world. How many of us are on that train? There's a lot of cutting up of cards going on, and at the end of the day, it's an Instagram lifestyle that can cause us to live as the tail and not the head. And so we have to ask this question. After I give and after I save, what is left? Because I gotta live on this. I gotta live on what's left. And soon, I will be free. I will be free to follow Holy Spirit's lead. And when he says, I want you guys to go to Honduras, I want you to go with, to Tiffany with Via Love, we're out. How did you do that? Well, we just packed our bags. But what about all your debt? What about, what about all your obligations? What about all the credit? Well, we didn't have any. We're just going to go with wherever God has us to go, free to follow the Spirit of God and leave a wake of generosity in our lives. And I'm just calling us up today. We have to take control of our own thinking. You cannot let the offer that comes up in the mail dictate your thinking. <laughs> that banner ad that popped up in your sales app. You have to dictate to that offer that pops up. Maybe one of your goals is home ownership. And that's a big, big thing, right? A big commitment. Maybe you, you, you want to get out of the apartment living and get in a home, maybe in a town home. You just want to get a place, something to call your own. You want to start remodeling and you want to invest. And I believe in that, by the way. But if you buy a home at the closing, all of what we talked about kind of comes into view, doesn't it? Because at the closing, you're signing this stack of big you know, papers that's like this big. And so you're singing yes and yes. 
yes and initial here and check, check, check and here and here and here. And you're going through and you're signing all that sign, 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 sign. And then you get to that last page where they try to distract you and they say, hey, we bought you a bottle of champagne, (laughs) right? As you're signing that last page, which shows you what you're really going to end up paying for your house. Anybody done that before? Remember that page? (laughs) You're like, give me the champagne. We're going to open it up right now. (laughs) If you haven't bought a home before, let's walk quick. For a $250,000 house, you put $50,000 down maybe. So you're financing $200,000 at maybe around 4%. So you're paying $143,000 in interest on that house. And that's over 30 years And we're not even probably going to live it in 30 years. That hardly ever happens. So you look at the end page and it says you're going to pay $393,739 for a $250,000 house. $393,000 for a $250,000 house. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take a picture in front of it and say, we are so excited to be homeowners. (laughs) Real talk for a second. There are hardly any homeowners watching this stream today. Just a guess, but I bet um, there's probably less than 5% of the people watching right now who are homeowners. But in our minds, it's like, yay, we're homeowners, right? Because we've let a system dictate our thinking and have not dictated God's thinking to the system. So I think it's a great goal to be a homeowner. I can say amen to that. Um, I think every one of us can make it a goal to be homeowners sometime, which means we would have to have a plan by which we're going to own our home. Not a, not a plan by which we're going to, you know, to pay the 1575 a month and 218 is going down to pay the principal and all the rest of it is just going into a big till called interest or, you know, debt. But we're talking... We're going to make it our goal, and we're going, to, we're going to pay for that house. We might do double payments. We might start chipping down three times a year at the principal payment. Um, we, when we get our tax return, we said, hey, well, maybe let's not do that Cancun trip this year and do the upgrade. Let's take $4,000 and pay it against you know, our home debt, and let's start making decisions that create margin in our lives. It's not about creating wealth. Because I I don't think creating wealth is necessarily the goal that any of us are leaning towards. It's not even what God is leaning God, But using God's model creates margin by which then we can be free to follow the spirit of God. Wherever he leads us and we can leave a wake of generosity in our lives. So it comes down today whether you believe this promise to be true. That God wants to make you the head and not the tail. That God wants to flip the script and make you the head and not the tail. We all want that. But there is a pathway to that. And that pathway is called following his commandment and his ways. As we read in the scriptures earlier, obeying his commandments and his ways. Stepping into that path. So translated, doing his way is how we move into the promise that he's offering us. And so if it looks to you... Like, you know, I'd love to do that, Sean, but come on. I mean, look at me. I'm making $40,000 a year currently, and I owe $51,000 to my school. So, and that looks like Everest to a lot of us. It looks like a mountain that I'm not able to climb. I get it. But we all know this, and let's speak the truth, and let's declare it this morning. God is bigger than your Everest. He is. And I'd encourage you to learn how to attack that debt and to win your freedom from whatever debt you're facing right now. It's got to be both things. Attacking debt 
and also living the life of margin. Because here's the ticket. Some of us will get serious and we'll attack our debt, but as soon as we do, six months later, we'll make another decision that puts us right back into being the tail and not the head again. So we've got to make a lifestyle decision to follow God's ways and to follow his commands and to live and pay as we go. And maybe get many amens for that today, I know, but this concept is a God-given one. It is. We're going to live and we're going to pay as we go. I can pay for that, therefore I'm going to do that. I've already given, I've already saved, and with what I've got left, I can pay for that cruise. And so I've always wanted to go and see the coast, and so we're going to go this year, and we're going to pay for it as we go every single day and not go, man, we're going to enjoy this trip and worry about how to pay for it later. No, we're paying for it right now. And when we get off this boat, we can say that that was amazing and everything about it was a blessing from God. And it's all paid for. That's the kind of a trip that you want to go on. That's the kind of cruise you want to be on. That's the kind of a lifestyle that you want to be living. And that's the power of the freedom that God wants to bring to your life. Amen? It started with the cross where Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. He paid everything. So if you want to believe today that God wants to put you on a path of freedom from debt, just look at the cross. Start there. Because that's where Jesus paid it all for you. So that your sin can be wiped away. You can be forgiven and free. You could be called a son or a daughter of God and have an eternity. Enjoy the inheritance of the things that God um, gave for you to become yours by grace through Jesus Christ. I want to pray. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. And I want to pray for all of us as we're kind of closing out this series. We're going to, we're going to close you know, with a time of communion. Pastor Lyle is going to lead us in that. But I just, want to, I just want us all together, before we close out this series, I just want us all together one more time to just declare, Father God, you're the chain breaker in our lives. All the things that we've talked about, our past, um, our hurt, our pains, Lord, our, um, uh, our fears, and God, today our debt. Lord, there, we are sons and daughters of the King, and Lord, we just ask of you. It's not a begging thing because we're your sons and daughters. You love us, and your purposes and plans are good for us. The work has already been, been done. We just need to step into it, obey what you've given to us, step into line with what you had for us to do. Follow your commands. And Lord, we just declare this morning that those chains will be broken right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming in all your power and empowering us, Lord, to when we're weak, when we can't do the things that we, we should do on our own, when we are, are spent, Lord, when we are running dry, you fill us up and you empower us. Lord, let our lives be God-directed. Let them be directed of you. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Maybe also you're watching this morning and you're saying, well, I have a big debt that I can't pay. And it's talking, you're, you're thinking about, you know, all of the mistakes that you've maybe had in your past and all that stuff, you know, we've talked about. Maybe it is a, a financial debt. And, and the thing that we're talking about this morning and, and we started with is the story of the gospel. Jesus paid it all for you. And so if you felt this morning, um, the Holy Spirit speaking of you, if you, if you felt just kind of a nudge, um, I believe that's Holy Spirit that is prompting you to make a decision today. 
So maybe it's for the first time today. I just ask that um, you'd pray with me and agree with me as we close this morning. Maybe it's a resurrender. Maybe you're here this morning, you're watching this morning, and you're thinking, yeah, I, I, I did give my life, but I've kind of walked off the path a little bit. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resurrender and give everything that I've got back to you again today, God. That's where it starts. He already paid his, gave his life for yours. And so, Father God, if that's you, agree with me this morning. Father God, I give you my life. All that I am is yours. I surrender today at the cross everything, all of who I am, not just a part, but everything. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for coming and being my rescue. Thank you for your life, for mine. God, my debt has been paid. Your blood has been shed for me, your body broken. So I step into your promises that you will fulfill for for me in my life. Be the Lord of my life. Lead me as you will. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen.